0: So this episode will be a little bit different than the ones that I have put out in the past uh, because today's topic is uh, A.R. McAllister, the first director of the Joliet Township High School Band, and uh, he is no longer with us. uh, So this is going to be a little bit more of a biography format episode. I'm working off quite a few sources for this one. Um, We have a dissertation by uh, Jeff Klubel. Um, from Troy State University. Uh, Phil Hash from Illinois State University has done quite a bit of research and uh, work on the Joliet bands and uh, Aaron McAllister as well. And um, of course, I'm just using also some resources that I have in the office here at Joliet, both in our files and in the archives, Um, you know, including some written correspondence, some records, And uh, even our yearbooks that date all the way back to 1898, but you won't really see anything about the band until probably um, the mid-10s, if that's how you refer to that decade there. So A.R. McAllister, born July 28th, 1883. He's born in Jackson Township, very uh, close to Elwood, Illinois, also not too far from Joliet, Illinois. Um, Lives on a farm so right from a young age, very, very hard worker, had many farm responsibilities. Um, he was also the oldest of four children. Uh, but it was kind of funny when you read some of the research that he had a fondness for uh, music right from the start. He was always very interested in sound. He would actually spend a lot of his time creating um, musical instruments to play and experiment with um, you know, one of my sources here says he would make cornstalk fiddles and uh, would play on elder flutes. When he was younger, he really wanted to play the cornet. So when we think about that time period, you know, some of our cornet players were rock stars at that point. And uh, McAllister, around 12, asks his father for a cornet, farm financial situation, and allow the outright purchase of this. So dad gives AR, or Archie as he was called, a piglet. Archie's 14, raises the piglet on a bottle, enters it into the Will County Fair. He wins first prize and uses his winnings and money to purchase a cornet from J.W. Pepper. And we could probably call this the uh, official start to AR McAllister's musical career. At the age of 16, McAllister's father passes away, and this puts AR into the role of uh, basically head of the household, head of the farm at that point in time. A couple of years later, he's 18. He's trying to figure out what to do with his life. He leaves the farm, becomes a secretary uh, to an interurban electrical company. He gets married in 1906 to Clara Worst from Plainfield, Illinois. Then he starts some business classes and becomes an auditor for a streetcar company. At this point, he's still playing cornet. He's leading a a couple bands. At that point in time, they were just basically cornet uh, bands. But he's becoming a little disenchanted with his uh, desk job. Quits his job, even sells that cornet, um, leaves the state, goes to Montana, does some ranching down there. Doesn't exactly work out, moves back to the Joliet area. Should also be said, which is pretty important to the history of uh, A.R. McAllister in our program, that he does have a hobby of woodworking. So he does some manual training, uh, studying with his wife's uncle. He then studies musical directing at the A.F. Weldon School, later turns into Vandercook College of Music. And then he has two years at the Kahn National School. In Chicago. So at this point he has skills in farming, business, and music. After his training is complete, McAllister teaches for two years in the Jewish training schools in Chicago and then is offered a very similar position at Joliet Township High School as a manual arts teacher. Now as I look through yearbooks, it's very difficult to find Any mention of the program or pictures of McAllister before the ban came into existence. Now Mr. Brown was pretty influential in education. In fact in 1901 he helps found the very first public community college in the entire nation and that's Joliet Junior College which used to be on site at Joliet Township High School till about 1969. So, Superintendent Brown attends a football game in Rockford, Illinois, and he sees the Rockford band performing during the football game. He's very impressed, and he wants that back at Joliet. Now, this is an interesting point, too, because there's some people in our town that think we're the oldest high school band in Joliet, and that's not true at all. In fact, um, I don't think we're even second place out here. We definitely have, you know, as just spoken, the Rockford band being older than the Joliet band. Um, I believe out in Danville, Illinois, that band is older than us. Um, if I remember right, 1870s, it's the Christian brothers band as well. That's uh pretty old. So, Many, many bands came before us here. Um, however, as we get further into this episode, you'll see that there was a bit of a change that was caused by uh, McAllister and Joliet in terms of the uh, format of the high school band. So Brown brings this idea back to the school. There's uh, a lot of behind the scenes discussion finances, etc. Band is expensive today and band was expensive back then as well. Uh, But long story short, they decide that yes, they're going to pursue a band program at Joliet. So the next question that comes up, of course, is who is going to lead this task of creating a band at Joliet Township High School? So the superintendent And a few others start looking through the faculty cards. And imagine this. You start working somewhere. You put down your name, your personal contact information, and they ask if you have any special skills or hobbies. And um, you put down that you're a musician. You put down that you're a cornetist and that you've organized and led a few local groups. And that's what happens. They come across A.R. McAllister's card. the woodshop teacher's card they see that he's a musician they approach him with the idea of starting a high school band and mcallister accepts the offer his initial starting salary as the band director was zero dollars in fact he did this position on his lunch break and still served as the manual arts training teacher A few years later, however, there's a couple board members that insist that A.R. McAllister become the full time band director and then he is compensated for his time. The band starts with 15 instruments. They're all secondhand instruments. And the total expenditures are about $300 for these supplies. It's seen as a pretty big tax burden, a uh, very extravagant expense at that time. Uh, but the justification for it was that this would be an athletic support organization. Now, as band people, we don't really like to hear that sometimes. Um, that, you know, we, we we think that what we have, of course, is, is here for... An artistic uh, endeavor and we're doing music for the sake of music and we take our bands very seriously out here in Joliet but the initial band was only allowed to be funded if it served as a pep band now a little bit about the layout of Joliet Township High School uh, today Joliet Central High School as previously mentioned Joliet Junior College was on site here in 1901 as well as the high school and the building or buildings are set up as a community college we've got quite a few different facilities out here Uh, today the students will take a sky bridge to get from one building to another Uh, but in the past we had even more uh, buildings and uh, more streets to cross to get to schools And if you were a band member at that point, you would go to Jefferson and Eastern Avenue and you would enter the manual training building to go for band practice. So you would sit down, you'd probably be next to some uh, hammers, maybe a keg of nails. Uh, The acoustics in the shop, of course, were not great but this was the initial rehearsal room for the Joliet Township High School Band. Just served to be the only room they could find at that point. Um, Additionally, was McAllister's teaching home as well. McAllister and the band members were uh, very much do-it-yourselfers at that point. In fact, they didn't even have music stands, uh, nor did they have chairs. The band students and McAllister made their own chairs. They took nail kegs and put boards on the back of the kegs for back supports. And uh, that's the original chair for the Joliet Township High School Band. The first rehearsals start March 1913. They begin with individual instruction. They move to some sectionals. Then they do some full band. Uh, They don't have any band method to use. McAllister was simply using one of his old cornet books that he was transposing for other instruments. Uh, But later he was using his resources. He would go to Chicago. He met with H.A. Vandercook. They sat for a bit, then they selected a published band method to bring the group to the next level. It should also be noted in that first rehearsal that McAllister established a a slogan or a motto that's still hanging our band room today, and it says, Results, No Alibis. Or translated for today's language, Results, No Excuses. McAllister was well known as a very strict disciplinarian. The minute he would open that office door to come out to rehearsal, it was like the air was sucked out of the room, Every student became silent until McAllister stood on the podium and gave the direction. McAllister played no favorites whatsoever, even with his own children who would later participate in his band program. The initial band is 12 students. They gain four more students as the weeks progress. After five weeks, they perform their first assembly for the entire school. Our records show that it was a rousing success and about a week later they play a baseball game the band gains some notoriety and continues to increase its membership at this point the band is rehearsing every day and every single student takes private lessons it should be noted though that every single student took private lessons from A.R. McAllister He was a very hard, very diligent worker, Uh, met with students daily to not only help them on their instruments, but as some records show, uh, was a mentor, as many band directors today still are, to their students. As the band gets larger, McAllister encourages his students to take private lessons outside of the school. Um, You know, Joliet's not too far from Chicago. We also have the junior college. Uh, So a lot of those students start studying with some local or semi-local private teachers. So by 1917, the band and McAllister are developing more of a national reputation. The invitations start coming in. They're asked to play for uh, conventions, fairs military camps all over the state and the surrounding area. Um, but what's kind of interesting is that from nineteen seventeen to nineteen eighteen, uh, it's kind of a small band still, but they played for every military assignment of men who left for combat duty and for every train load of soldiers stopping in Joliet en route to camp or the front lines of World War I. And if you were to talk to A.R. McAllister today, I'm sure he would still say that that was something that he was most proud of, was that he and the members of the band were providing that unique type of service to our soldiers. The band would continue this tradition through the next World War. You see, community service was very important to McAllister and the Joliet Band. Uh, McAllister himself would do whatever he could to support the school and the community. The band would play for Red Cross activities, Boy Scout drives, Association of Commerce activities, every parade that was in town, um, every large grand opening and often some small grand openings. Uh, The Rotary Club would include the band whenever possible. In fact, in 1920, the band would escort the Joliet Rotary Club members to the International Convention in Atlantic City, New Jersey. So, before we get into the national championships, you know, we look at a quick recap of this where this band starts around 1912, 1913, and then by 1918, the band is awarded the title of the official band of Camp Pershing in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, they spend two weeks in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin for a music camp. They are the Best Band Appearing in Summer award. 1921, 1922, Uh, The Citizen Military Training Corps at uh, Camp Roosevelt are entertained by the band. They were made the official band of the CMTC, and they start to get recognition from the U.S. government. Uh, That previous trip I mentioned about the Joliet Rotary Club. They received the Cup of Philadelphia Award for their performance. In 1923, the band takes a trip to Camp Roosevelt and performs at the Laporte, Indiana funeral train for President Harding. By 1924-1925, the band gets larger, about 150 members, and the instrumentation has expanded. Uh, the band is competing in the district contests. They get the highest score. They're then allowed to compete at the state level. In 1924, 1925, and 1926, the Joliet Township High School Band, under the direction of McAllister, uh, wins the state title three years in a row. Uh, they are then eliminated from being able to compete in the following year. It was around this time, too, that the band debuted their new uniforms. Um, I failed to mention in the beginning, the very first uniforms for the band uh, were white. In fact, they were butcher coats that were donated from a local butcher in Joliet. Later on, as the band would get a little larger, they would move to the traditional military-style uniform that we all either know or have suffered through. All right, we move to 1926, And in this year, uh, first off, I was just looking up, apparently that was the first year that the SAT was given. So that must have been a terrible time for students. But it was a good time for McAllister and the band. Uh, McAllister, with some friends, organizes the National School Band Association in 1926. He's elected vice president that year, and then he's elected president. He holds that post for about 14 years. I don't know much about that organization to be honest with you. I don't know if that formed into uh, one of the organizations from today or if it's an organization that just ended up folding. Um, It was just some research that I ended up not doing for this particular episode here. This is where we enter the national band contests. Um, We have a national band contest that is running. I believe the first year was 1922, 1923, somewhere around there. Um, They're not very well organized. We have a decline in professional and military bands. We have instrument companies that are trying to up the sales of band instruments. Um, They start these contests. They're really not sure what to do with them. The invitations to the contest were mailed out too late. They couldn't get enough bands to participate. If you were staying on site, you were sleeping in barracks, um, army cots. The performance area outside Grant Park in Illinois, it was a temporary bandstand. The bands were competing with traffic, trains, competing bands warming up, and each band competed before one single judge despite three judges being promised. Was it a complete failure? No. There was enough enthusiasm that they did repeat the contest again. They put in some new standards. Uh, They looked at some elimination contests that were held in several states prior to that. But then we get to 1926, and that's when the National School Band Association steps in to help out or take over these national contests. The association steps in. They help to bring forth some rules for the national competitions, um, including categories such as sight-reading, marching, solo ensemble, and concert categories of the competition. Uh, Sight-reading selection, for example, was always determined to be an unpublished manuscript to make it fair for all bands that were involved. I have a souvenir program in front of me right now from when Joliet, Illinois hosted the contest, May 24th, 25th, 26th, 1928. Um, It says it's sponsored by the National Bureau for the Advancement of Music with A.R. McAllister of Joliet, Illinois as president. And it's interesting to look at the history of these because they really don't mention those contests prior to 1926. In fact, on page 5, they say, in 1926, the first competition of Nationwide Scope was held at Fostoria, Ohio. And my apologies if I mispronounce something. I'm not so great with the pronunciations. But just to give you a scope of what a band would do at this competition, I'll read a paragraph from page 5. Quote, All bands entering the Joliet lists will play four types of composition, a warming-up march not to be judged, an assigned composition, a composition to be selected from a list of 20 prepared by the committee, and two or more well-known numbers to be prepared for playing in unison with other bands in its class unquote. Uh, I have seen uh, maybe a little bit of video from that time, and if I can recall correctly, the Unison uh, piece that year was Stars and Stripes Forever, um, actually conducted by John Philip Sousa on the streets of Joliet. The national championships proved to be quite successful for Joliet. Um, They won the championship in 1926. 1927 and 1928. Due to the original three-peat as I'm calling it, um, we do have permanent possession of that national trophy in the trophy cases here at Joliet Township High School. I'm looking at some records too. They of course had a band banquet each year. Uh, The band members as a gift received medals And um, it looks like members of the band and maybe some other sponsors awarded A.R. McAllister in 1927 and in 1928 uh, a $1,000 check each year. Uh, Just so you know, for inflation, that'd be about $14,000 today. I received something similar this year as a Christmas gift from one of my students. Actually, it was an open Kit Kat bar missing one of the four pieces. And yes, I still ate it. Following these successes, uh, McAllister is continuing to build on his own national fame in the band world. We have pieces that are now being written for uh, A.R. McAllister and the Joliet Township Band. We have composers uh, coming out to work with the band and have premieres of their pieces read by the band. The United States Navy Band uh, comes out and plays in Joliet with the Joliet High School Band in 1927. McAllister is now a sought-after guest conductor, clinician, educator. He's a consultant for band programs. He's a concert organizer. He was a regular contributor to School Musician magazine. Uh, There's another older magazine called Etude uh, where he wrote essentially a small dissertation on the marching band and the management of the marching band in 1929. In the summers McAllister kept busy. He had invitations to teach at summer camps at colleges. Uh, These would be sessions both for students and for music teachers. McAllister had some famous friends um, at this point, too. Uh, We have some correspondence here with John Philip Sousa. Um, He and A.A. Harding, first director at the University of Illinois, uh, were very, very close as well. In 1929, the national contest is held in Denver, Colorado. However, since the Joliet Band had won the contest three years in a row they were not allowed to compete in this contest however they were invited to come out and perform as essentially an exhibition band in 1930 the national competition is held in flint michigan So again, the Joliet band rallies the troops, uh, both with the band members and the community, gets a lot of community support and finances. They go out and they play their hearts out. They have a phenomenal performance, according to our records here. And then they have sight reading. Uh, A.R. McAllister did not observe four grand pauses in the sight reading, and the band, of course, followed him. The announcer gets on the microphone and then states, Ladies and gentlemen, today the band that played the best did not win. Joliet ended up getting second place in this competition due to a weighted sight reading score. The winner of the 1930 national contest was Sen High School in Chicago. A.R. McAllister takes this pretty personally. Um, He's not upset at the students, rather he is upset at himself and according to his son Forrest, he really lived with the fact that he took full blame because he felt that he let the band down. McAllister was a hard worker though and a great organizer and for the 1931 contest in Tulsa, Oklahoma, he had a plan. Every morning before school, from 7.30 a.m. to 8 a.m., the Joliet Township Band would sight-read for a half an hour. McAllister even organized the sight-reading sessions with whistles that they would use in the actual competition. 1931, the band returns, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we now have a rivalry with Sen High School. Joliet Township Band performs Vanished Army, uh, La Forza del Destino, an entry of the gods into Valhalla. The band reclaimed the title by four points and also earned the highest sight-reading score of any band in the entire competition. In 1932, the national contests and the band world would change. Um there's a reorganization meeting in 1932, which eliminated the concert portion of the national band contest. And this was due to the Depression. We just didn't have enough money uh, to travel an entire band. However, the National Solo and Ensemble Contest was still scheduled. 1932 also brings us the death of John Philip Sousa. John Philip Sousa was a great supporter of the uh, Joliet Band in the moral sense and is quoted as saying that he thought the Joliet Township Band was the greatest amateur band in the world. In 1933, the concert portion of the festival does return. However, we have eliminated the rankings as we know it. They move to a rating system similar to what a lot of us see today in our state-level music organizations. Each band performs. They are deemed a 1, a 2, or a 3, with a Division 1 being a superior performance. There were no longer any national trophies or overall awards as part of these festivals. The 1933 festival would be hosted in Evanston, Illinois. 1934-1936 uh, contest, Des Moines, Iowa, Cleveland, Ohio. But by about 1938, basically we're seeing that the national contest had become too large to manage Um regional contests at this point then were becoming the new norm. And we then later on would move into the state-run contest, which is what most of us are participating in today. All right, well if you've listened to me yap about this for this long so far, uh, thank you. I think we're going to make this one a two-parter part two about A.R. McAllister will cover some of his performance tours with the band a little bit into his personal life and uh, we'll, we'll take you all the way through 1944 uh, with his untimely death so thank you for listening uh, and I think uh, we'll close out here with a recording of A.R. McAllister's band we don't have a lot of his stuff we do have a lot of programs and documents but in terms of recordings uh, there's not a lot around um, so this this is a 1938 recording of the band performing Annie Laurie uh, with three soloists on that listed as R. Hamilton, R. McKeever, and R. Nelson. Thanks for listening.